I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Battleground Live. I'm your host, Sean Parnell. I am combat veteran, best-selling author, and just a humble servant of America. I'm just a guy who loves his country. Uh, you know, listen, I can't stop thinking about this uh this Barack Obama Michelle Obama produced movie called Leave the World Behind my my friend Bongino um Dan Bongino talked about it on his show today and essentially covered the exact same stuff that I did last night on the show even down to the same videos made the same cyber attack connections and everything else it, it's very clear to me that 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 something is not right we all acknowledge that things are pretty bad in this country. We all acknowledge that what's happening to President Trump is terrible and sets a dangerous precedent, one that will undoubtedly be used again against political threats, political enemies. I mean, of course, we know uh, the DOJ is going after other people in addition to just Trump and January 6th grandmothers among them. Uh but we also know, and we've acknowledged on the show plenty of times, that things continue to escalate to a point that is becoming concerning. And yesterday, I played this World Economic Forum video uh, that talks about a cyber attack, a cyber pandemic, right? They talk about COVID, the response to COVID, and how how COVID affected people and spread like wildfire. And then they tied it. This is the World Economic Forum. They tied it to, well, geez, what if, what if this happened with a cyber attack? Look how fast this computer virus spreads. And then you think like about all the horrible stuff that they did to us during COVID and wonder what our governments and these globalists would do to us if this country was hit with a massive cyber attack. And then, of course, the breaking news on Fox yesterday that, that I shared this clip from Fox and Friends about how China just yesterday with a cyber attack penetrated U.S. infrastructure, <laughs> major U.S. institutions. And I told you yesterday, tied that to this massive maritime militia mobilization of the Chinese in the South China Sea and how they're cutting off the Philippines from economic activity and fishing zones around there about to take a, a, a sovereign country. Our enemies are clearly on the move. And, and it got me thinking, like, why, why does an ex-president who, as Bongino said today, and, and I acknowledged the night before, why does the next president need to produce, executive produce a film, again, called Leave the World Behind? Next presidents clearly know stuff that we do not, right? They, they clearly have access to information that we don't. I mean, 
President Obama had a presidential daily brief, sat on his desk every day for eight years and had access to America's most sensitive secrets. He knows the ways in which America is vulnerable. Any president does. I mean, when I was in the military, um, I had a top secret government security clearance, what they call TSSCI, a secret compartmentalized security clearance, a high security clearance that, that you could get in, in this country. I had access to sensitive information. Um, I honor that oath, right? I didn't disclose anything secret in Outlaw Platoon. I still would not. But w- doesn't it concern you that Obama's out there producing this film and this from Tom Fitton on Twitter? Uh, he says, Barack Obama, the notoriously corrupt former president and his wife, Michelle, produced a new film for Netflix in which a central character who is black makes a racist comment directed at white people. And this is a quote from the movie. I'm asking you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be doled out easily to anyone. OK, I'm with you there. Then it goes on to say, this is a direct line from the movie, especially white people. (laughs) So, of course, because Obama produces this, this movie, in addition to just being suspect in a lot of ways, why is Obama talking about a cyber attack on America? It's obviously woke trash as well. Uh, But Netflix reportedly hired the Obamas to create a content content in a deal worth around $50 million. The Netflix deal was set up by the company's Ted Sanderos, a major Obama campaign donor. Netflix also appointed Susan Rice to serve on its board. Of course, Rice is the former Obama era official famous for lying about Benghazi. You remember that whopper? Uh, She also implicated she's also implicated Susan Rice's in the seditious Obama administration abuse of Donald Trump. Uh, Wade Davis, an Obama 2012 campaign surrogate, was also just appointed as Netflix's vice president of inclusion and strategy. So you see, I've told you many, many times before that if you're a Democrat, you fail up to where you could be a nobody, worked in government your entire life, and all of a sudden find yourself on the board of a major Hollywood production company, even though you've never produced a damn movie in your life and know nothing about filmmaking. If you're a Republican, of course, you are not extended that same courtesy with well, this just proves that that my theory is correct uh but however uh, i was reading this article on fox news um it, it's it, the article was barack obama produces first fiction movie for netflix gave extensive notes to director for cyber attack plot barack obama former president who had access to america's secrets knows how this country is vulnerable gave notes to this hollywood director and i'll read to you a direct excerpt from this article in the original drafts of the script this is the the director i definitely pushed things a lot farther than they were in the film and president obama having the experience he does have was able to ground me a little bit on how things might unfold in reality I'm writing what I think is fiction for the most part. I'm trying to keep it as true to life as possible, but I'm exaggerating and dramatizing. This is where it gets a little concerning. And to hear an ex-president say, you're off by a few details. I thought I was off by a lot. The fact that he said that scared the F out of me. So why is this producer, this director, scared at the information and the notes that Barack Obama is giving him 
in prep for this film. And this film's getting all sorts of buzz. Of course, we talked about it yesterday night. We're among the first to do so. Um, but it seems like they're trying to prepare us for something, right? And the media hasn't exactly been honest. Well, they're never honest. They're disgusting lapdogs that do nothing but protect the Democrats, which ultimately I think will bring about uh, chaos in this country. It, it already is. But it just feels that the media, 2020 election, all the craziness with COVID, they lie. They lie all the time. And they do so to cover for the Democrats. I stumbled on this video about Liana and the Maui fire. Folks, we covered, and I'll tell you what, Wendy Bell also covered the Maui fires uh, in depth. In fact, uh, Wendy Bell and the Wendy Bell Radio Army, if you follow her, uh, they have they have someone that lives in Maui on the show uh, anytime they need him to come on, but he changes his name, doesn't give his appearance, anything like that, just to protect himself from the government. Now, how sad and how scary is that, that he feels like he can't even be honest about who he is without fear of the government coming after him? Isn't it crazy just how fast that story fell from the headlines? We still don't really know a whole lot about the incident. I saw an article that was just published, uh, uh, local articles. It's all, all the, the only news that you can get from Maui is from local media outlets saying that there's still, there are still only four people unaccounted for. They've been able to identify the rest. But didn't we hear that hundreds of children were missing? That they didn't clear cut all these all these Dems, all these shit libs in charge in Hawaii. I mean, maybe that's why ultimately the media is blacking things out, because all these Dems were ultimately responsible for this horrific tragedy. But obviously, you know, all of these, you know, terrible mistakes made by the Democrats where they didn't have cell phone communication. They didn't communicate at all. The water pressure wasn't water wasn't really working. They didn't have access to water. Um a cell phone service was spotty. There was no warning given off. And now, I mean, even a Fox News re was reporting that in the aftermath, they set a big black fence around the affected area, wouldn't let the media in. Now, I would imagine that the government would say that this is simply because they're investigating the area and they don't want reporters disturbing that. But the government has not done a good job about giving any information to reporters to begin with, as evidenced by the fact that there's a blackout in the first place. What the hell's going on? Why aren't people asking questions? I mean, I stumbled across this video and I want to play it for you here, but there's something going on that just doesn't, it's just, government has, a, doesn't, ha, has not done a good job communicating to the rest of us about what's happening. In fact, Maui's fallen off of the headlines altogether, but, but watch a little bit of, of this survivor testimony and, and just check this out. We'll discuss it. Some of the things I've heard about the one father um, that was trying to help his wife get out of Lahaina. And um, he was trying to help talk her through going over the power line or whatever. Fire engulfed her. He literally was on the phone and listened. I don't know how they had phone service, but he heard his, he heard his children uh, and wife burn to death while he was on the phone with them. Um, He's since committed suicide. Um, so, and then there's a Red Cross guy who's committed suicide in Wailea. Red Cross. I mean, there's people that are, this is just, just disgusting stuff that we don't want to talk about. And I don't know if you had heard about um, 
how people were able to call out to the mm -hmm. mainland. Yeah. 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 You call the mainland, but you couldn't right. call people with on, on I the I thought island. that was super fascinating as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the fact that all that time I was always able to receive text messages. Personally, on my T-Mobile for three weeks, what? I, would, I could receive text messages. I couldn't send but I could always receive. Mm -hmm. And we also got an Amber Alert the day after the fire to not go on the highway because there was an accident. That's right. Yeah. Like, I got that one too. You couldn't send out an Amber Alert the out. next day. That freaked yeah. me out. You couldn't send out an Amber Alert yeah. during the fire. Exactly. Right. The fact that there was no warning, no mm -hmm. water, you know, police blockades, the fact that, that, that there's a fire that started in all these different areas. I mean, I'm, I'm taking drone footage right now showing like how did the fire get to Waikuli? You know, I'm getting eyewitness accounts of it, it just... It, in that 14th chapter, he says um, he, the fire wasn't even in his area. Right. Two minutes later, it's, it's on, on his building and his neighbor, and he goes to the neighbor's door. He knocks on the door. We've got to go. Hmm. Neighbor says, I'm not leaving. I have five cats in here. Closes the door, and he says he, he runs away um, watching hmm. his neighbor, his best, you know, very good friend burning up. Yeah. Um, There's so... That's crazy. It's equally tragic that the media has not told us the stories or been honest at all about what's happened there. You heard them talking about watching somebody or hearing on the phone as your wife and children burn alive. I mean, and, and that person took their own life. I mean, it's tragic in so many ways. But what the hell happened there? And people in the chat, I mean, Spar saying, you know, when was the last as far saying when was the last time we heard about East Palestine, Ohio? Did we ever get any serious facts about the Las Vegas concert massacre? Spar, you're 100 percent right. And this is what makes this audience so special. Uh, and then and then Biebs, of course, Maui was swept under the rug. Look, Chinese spy balloon. A hundred percent right. Uh, I, I never cease to impress me with the intelligence of this audience and members of this platoon. So kudos to you all. But Something just doesn't feel right. And I feel compelled, you know, having been in survival situations before fighting for my life in Afghanistan. Yeah, I talk about it a lot. It was a formative experience in my life. Um, but what's not often talked about enough is what they call an EMP attack. And I'm sure you've heard that, but an electromagnetic pulse device attack. Um, there are many members of the U.S. House of Representatives and people in Congress and military intelligence officials who believe that an electromagnetic pulse device would be just utterly devastating to this country. You could detonate it would you wouldn't take a nuclear attack on this country to do it, but you could simply detonate a nuclear bomb in the atmosphere. Not, we would never even know it would actually blew up. Um, and a nuclear bomb in the atmosphere would knock out all electronics, certainly modern electronics, anything that has a computer chip in them uh, within an instant. Nobody be, would even know. You wouldn't need intercontinental ballistic missile technology in order to make this happen. You could have a vessel, a barge in international waters. You could launch the missile off of there right up into the atmosphere. If the bomb itself detonates over the eastern seaboard, you'd have multiple states on the eastern seaboard just lose power overnight. I mean, any car that has a computer chip, cell phone technology, computer, radio, anything in, uh, that is tethered to our modern way of life would instantly not work. The supply chain would completely collapse. I mean, engines that were built in the 1940s or antique cars would function just fine because there's no computer chip in them. But my point is, is that our electrical grids, I am telling you, they are not hardened. We are not ready for this threat. And if you look at what happened in Maui and you look at how 
just utterly incompetent the government was with regards to the response for that to, to that and then also thereafter just covering things up do you think for a second that our government in any way shape or form would be there for you be there for your children be there for your family protect the people that you love the most absolutely not government is a joke <laughs> government if you remember the response to September 11th i mean <laughs> All these intelligence agencies seem to th know that an attack was coming, but no one did any a damn thing about it until the buildings were already knocked down. So look, I've got this book right here. I don't use this show. I'm not selling you this book. You can read it if you want to. If not, it, it's a book called One Second After. I, I mean, it's a book that I read that talks about an electromagnetic pulse device and how this country would react were we to get hit with something like that. And Anybody, that, for example, that's diabetic or relies on medicine that needs to be refrigerated, all those people would be at risk. And you would think this would be a, a high priority to our government and certainly our military. I mean, but we are not ready for this at all. And you cannot expect the government to save you. If you don't believe me, look at what is happening in Maui right now. It's a total disaster. And it looks like... <sighs> The Obamas and all this and all the breaking news about cyber attacks in this country. We feel like something's going to happen. Trust that instinct. If, if it feels like something is imminent, trust your gut. It's not about being paranoid. It's about being prepared. And of course, I have an inclination to prepare for things as well. Just I don't know if any of y'all heard of blowout bags before, but you and every member of your family should have a blowout bag. You can look on the internet as to what you would put in them, but if you were forced to leave your location or move to a different location, first of all, have a plan in place as to how the hell you're going to get there. But a blowout bag is everything that you will need to survive for a couple of weeks. And every member of your family should have one. So you have to leave and leave quickly, grab the blowout bags, go to a, a predetermined location, make sure that your family has a plan. Look, this sounds crazy. Okay. It, it does. But they train us in this way in the military to always be prepared. You don't listen. There are times when, when my young soldiers would say to me training for Afghanistan, you know, well, sir, when the hell are we ever going to encounter a situation like this in Afghanistan? And I say, well, that's precisely the point. You don't train for things that you think are, you, you don't train for things that you think you're going to encounter. You train for things that you don't expect to encounter. So what I'm telling you is that you have, if you've got family, you've got children, you've got grandchildren, have a plan. If shit hits the fan in this country and all of a sudden your power goes out, it, you can't cook, your power goes out. You have no power whatsoever. You can't, no cell phones, no nothing, no television, no radio, no computers, no internet. What do you do? Do you stay in your location or do you go? If you go, where do you go? What do you take? How do you? How are you going to drink water? How are you going to cook your food? How are you going to provide for the people that care about you? Do you have guns? You better. Do you know how to use them? You better. Not just you, but your children should know how to use them as well. So find someone who knows what the hell they're doing. Get them to teach, coach, and mentor you on what you can do to protect your family. Because I'm just telling you, I don't know what 2024 is going to look like, but I'm not the only one saying this. But something's coming, and I don't know what it is. And I want you all to be prepared for what that is. So make sure you have a plan.
it's so okay so let me just take a quick take a quick break before we move on to this next breaking story that would just blow your mind or maybe it won't because Parnell's platoon tends to be surprised by very little <laughs> but um so I want to thank deep well services and I want to thank Cabot guns these are the these are two companies that came out of the woodwork to sponsor this program we call them the founding sponsors of battleground Live. they've stood battleground line they've stood with us through this this entire crazy year it started as a once a week podcast just interviewing interesting people i actually interviewed wendy bell as well um which was kind of fun because she's used to being the one doing the interviews so the roles were kind of reversed and it that's actually one of my most popular podcast episodes but this blossom into this five day a week show and we get into like really controversial topics and we don't hold back on the things that we talk about and deep well services a great american oil and gas company drilling company and cabot guns they've stood with me every step of the way and by the way cabot guns manufacturers all right here in america the best 1911 pistols in the history of the world they make them real nice right they they even make some you can go on their website and you can find some of their 1911 pistols made from very rare meteorite <laughs> metals that were taken from space or they have uh 1911 pistols with pistol grips made of t-rex femur so they have some real cool sexy guns but they also have tactical versions as well but just i want to thank Deepwell services and i want to thank cabot guns because it's december and they've stood with me for 12 straight months and they've never wavered once uh, in the face of resistance from all these crazy shit libs. So thanks to Deepwell and thanks to Cabot. Um, also, uh, if you're watching this pro, we got three, almost 400 people watching live right now. Make sure you like and rumble, like and rumble, like and rumble. That little green thumb beneath the video. Make sure you hit that like button. Rumble notices that stuff. It helps us in the algorithm. It helps push us up to the top. So the more people know about the show, the greater this movement becomes, the more powerful we become, the more likely it is that we save this country. So make sure you like that. Tell your family and your friends to subscribe to Battleground Live right here on Rumble. It's every night, Monday through Friday, uh, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. We'd love to have you in the trenches with us fighting to save this country. And also, one last thing before we move on, I'd like to to wish my friend and Brock star, the Brockinator, a happy birthday. He's 48 years old today. I don't know if he'll have the courage to show himself on this, the live stream. He often just says, it's your show. You do it. Uh, but really lucky to have you Brock. You're a great producer. Um, I know that Wendy would say the same thing, although I'd never think I'd never say, uh, I'd never speak for her, but I know she's grateful as well. And that, that, frankly, this show would not be possible without you. I mean, you've helped me so much on, on how to do a live show, how to pull the video. And now he's teaching me all the back end production stuff. So happy birthday, Brock. I know you're 48 years old. It's, it's all downhill from there. Um, and you know, he's six years older than me, so I, I don't know what it's like to be 48 yet, but six more years, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, look at people in the chat, Brock, everybody wishing you a happy birthday. Happy birthday from uh, Tina DH saying happy birthday. <laughs> Nate Graham, happy birthday, Brock star Locke saying <laughs> like, everybody's showing Brock some love. So happy birthday, Brock. Okay. I got to talk to you about this as every day, uh, I see more stuff that talks about our elections and just what an abject disaster they are. There is a a study, uh, a poll, a survey poll, a study by the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen 
Um, I'll just read to you from the article here. It says Rasmussen reports found that one in five voters who cast mail-in ballots during the 2020 presidential election admit to participating in at least one kind of voter fraud. That's right. One in five. So confirming for all of us crazy conspiracy theorists what we've known for years now. This is the what's interesting about this is that this is the first time they gave they gave people who took this survey. I mean, complete anonymity. Um, they, they said their identities would be protected. This is the first time where you have people actually saying that, yes, I committed some form of voter fraud, of course, made possible uh, by mail-in ballots. But if you look at, so I'll read you some of the highlights from this poll that would just blow your mind. I mean, because look, this is just, I mean, we already know, we already suspected the 2020 uh, election was a disaster. Definitely there was, you know, election fraud that happened in 2022 as well, specifically as it pertained to Kerry Lake's statewide election in Arizona and Maricopa and Maricopa County, which is interestingly enough, controlled by Republicans. Um, but yeah, there's voter fraud. We've always, we've always known there was voter fraud, but here are some of the highlights. Heartland Rasmussen poll, one in five mail-in voters admit to committing at least one kind of voter fraud during the 2020 election. 17% of mail-in voters admit that in 2020, they voted in a state where they are no longer a permanent resident. Folks, listen to me. When I told you before that I've had people, I was like running for office in 2020 amidst all this crazy COVID bullshit that the government put us through. When I say that I saw this stuff with my own two eyes, I, I, I'm, I ain't lying to you. I'm telling you the truth. There was a voter at a precinct that had flown in from Michigan, got in line in Allegheny County in western Pennsylvania and voted in Allegheny County at a Democrat polling precinct. We knew, hey, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Michigan. Are you live in Pennsylvania? No, no, no. I used to live here. I don't live here anymore. Uh, but uh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just voting. But you don't live here. I know. Democrat doesn't matter, right? They just they vote once and they vote. They vote often, I guess. Um, okay. <laughs> so it's crazy. That's voter fraud, folks. How many times did that happen? Was well, it said 17% of mail-in voters in this survey admit that they voted in a state where they're no longer a permanent resident. So what does that tell you? 21% of mail-in voters admitted that they filled out a ballot for a friend or family member. Of course, that is illegal. Now you can help. There are helpers where you can get designated a helper. You've got to get some special certification from your party in the state to do so. But if you have an elderly person in a nursing home, you can certainly help them fill out their ballot. But that if, unless you're designated as that, what I just read you, 21% of those people who did that stuff, that's illegal. Uh, that's voter fraud. 17% uh, of mail-in voters said they signed a ballot for a friend or family member without, or with or without his or her permission. That is also voter fraud. 8% of likely voters say they were offered pay or a reward for voting in 2020. Now, look, you go into Philadelphia. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can talk to people who say, yeah, I was offered this, you know, a gift card to Giant Eagle, which is a local grocery store here in Western Pennsylvania, or a gift card to the state store, the liquor store. Just as long as I return my mail in ballot, this is what they offer me. The Democrats do this stuff all the time. They would have you believe that, you know, those of us who speak out about this stuff are crazy whack job conspiracy theorists, that this stuff doesn't happen. But look, this is a poll. These are people in their own words saying that this stuff happened. 
So this survey emphatically suggests that the 2020 presidential election results were contaminated by widespread voter fraud, despite the mainstream media's constant attempts to gaslight the American public into believing the opposite. Of the 30% of Americans claiming they voted by mail in this survey, at least one in every five, at least one in every five engaged in one or more kinds of voter fraud. Folks, this is crazy to me. I mean, listen, this is, this is like, you think back to the 2020 election. You even had Republican officials, even like Bill Barr, the then attorney general who turned a blind eye to all this shit. And he did it because he just didn't like Trump. I mean, that was just that simple. Um, in fact, you had many Republicans. This is, again, this is the one area that I think Trump could have done a little bit better as president. However, I will caveat that by saying President Trump came up in New York City construction. He worked with Democrats his entire life. He changed the skyline of New York City, not just by working with Democrats, by working with Republicans as well. Which is why when President Trump went into the Oval Office, when he won in 16, he said, "Okay, let's put all this highly contentious campaign behind us and let's focus on working with both parties to make this country better, to make this country great. Now, of course, that did not happen. And President Trump is an outsider probably didn't realize how deep the swamp truly was and that just because you have an R after your name does not mean you are friendly to the populist Save America, Make America Great Again agenda. And so listen, you had people that were undermining President Trump in his own administration every step of the way. One of my closest friends, uh, I just love this person, uh, worked in the White House with President Trump, had access to him, talked to him all the time. He said, I mean, he called me one time and he said, like, this is this is crazy. He said, I've never seen anything like this. He's an older guy. And I, you know, he's an older gentleman and said, you know, these entrenched bureaucrats, you know, President Trump issues an executive order or issues guidance. And it's it's part of my job to make this happen. But unless you are aware that these entrenched bureaucrats or the deep state exist, unless unless you understand their tactics, they they can and they will stifle President Trump's agenda. And they had up until that point for the first three years that he was in office, did everything that they could to stop him from implementing what he from implementing his agenda, from trying to do the things that he wanted to do as president again. This is significant because we elected President Trump. Even if you're a liberal and you didn't vote for Trump, hey, he's the president. He won. Our country has always you know, deferred to the president, Democrat or Republican. President of the United States is elected by and for the people. His job is to implement the will of the people. These entrenched bureaucrats have no business doing that. But this guy I would talk to would say, it's unbelievable to me how the president's guidance would be stifled at every level of the bureaucracy from the time the, the guidance was given to one office, passed down to the next office, passed down to the next office. I mean, this is how bureaucracies are intended to function, right? By these big chains of command and they're supposed to function seamlessly. But, then, but in many cases, these people worked against President Trump. 
And you think back to 2020, many of these Republicans who were out there talking about the 2020 election, even even one of Trump's own cabinet members, not just Bill Barr, but I think the, the guy that's in charge of Homeland Security said that it was the bestest, most securest election ever of all time. And when he said that, that's what really got me thinking, well, there's no way that could possibly be true. I mean, we were right in the middle of a lockdown mentality, a once in a hundred year pandemic, which of course COVID was real, but did we need to inflict trillions of dollars on our economy? Did we need to destroy people's lives and force loved ones to die alone? Well, of course not. But we know now that the Democrats used COVID to implement sweeping changes to voting laws in critical swing states that Biden needed to win. And thinking about, you know, the golden rule of what these entrenched bureaucrats do is they they lie, especially the Democrats. What they say is often happening. The opposite is actually true. What they accuse Republicans of, they themselves are guilty of. Well, it's not the best and most secure election ever. And in fact, I think many of the people who brazenly cheated knew that they could lie to the American people. And maybe they even knew that the facts would come out at some point. But by then, Biden's first term would almost be over. And what does that mean? It means that anytime you bring anything like this, this this survey, which to me, I mean, it's a smaller sample size, just over a thousand people. But if you extrapolate or you, you sample from a larger group of people, I bet you that these stats are, are upheld. But the reason why you can't bring any of this evidence now is that you'd look at a judge and many of these Republican judges, in fact, judges across the board uh, and, and our party as conservatives, they're spineless. I mean, they rarely have the wherewithal to take a stand on anything out of fear of riots. What, think about Antifa. Think about Black Lives Matter. Think about how they rampaged across this country during the entire summer of President Trump's final year in office. So these judges don't want that. They don't want protesters going to their house. They don't want protesters following their kids. They don't want to be harassed. They just want to earn that government salary and not rock the boat. But if you're a Democrat, look, you don't have to be a legal scholar to know uh, how every Democrat member of the Supreme Court is going to rule on any issue. If it's controversial, if it advances the progressive football down the field, you can bet your ass they're going to be voting to advance the progressive football down the field. They always do. We rarely have that with Republicans. So if anything was brought to any of these courts today, even if it was a friendly court, they would these judges would just get rid of it. Ah, it's moot. President Biden, it's, uh, Biden's been in office for three years now. Nothing we can do about it. So, but I, I, you know, folks, listen. I talk about the 2020 election not because I have a desire to go back there. Um, I, I just, I just think if we don't study what they did, if we don't study their tactics and how they how they conduct political war, we won't win. And the fact. The fact of the matter is that very few people in the wake of 2020 actually spoke out about what was happening in 2020. And because of that, they were able to do it again in 2022. And they kept great people like, you know, not just, you know, MAGA America first types like Carrie Lake out of out of the, the governor's office in Arizona. They also kept great patriots like, you know, Blake Masters in Arizona or Adam Laxalt in Nevada, other great who would be great Republican senators, they kept them out of office by beating them with a system. And the reason why we didn't, we couldn't fight back against that system is because most of the people who had a platform were afraid to talk about it. 
And I'm just not afraid to talk about it. And I'm going to keep talking about it because if we don't talk about it, they're just going to keep doing it. Okay. So let me just talk about the economy and Bidenomics. I mean, obviously the Bidenomics is an abject disaster. Um, and you know, Joe Biden, despite the Democrats telling us over and over and over again that the economy is great. I think I just saw a headline today of the Biden administration in the White House saying that inflation's going down. It's like, well, yeah, inflation's going down from 20% to 15%. Inflation is still a huge problem in this country. And it's like, you see, I saw this interview with Janet Yellen, uh, and she said somebody was asking some some journalist from the Wall Street Journal, journalist. Uh, always in quotations because they're just such a joke in this day and age. There are some good journalists out there. I don't mean to attack all of them, but I mean, he's like, why do you think, you know, the message of Bidenomics is just, you know, not resonating with the American people. And and Janet Yellen was like, well, we're still in the grips of uh, the aftermath of COVID. And I thought to myself, you, you got to be kidding me. Like we're still using COVID as a metric to measure economic growth when the Biden administration has deliberately and purposefully dismantled our economy in an attempt to bring America to its knees. All of this is happening on purpose. You couldn't flood a nation with 10.5 million, million illegal migrants in three years unless it was deliberate. You couldn't devalue the currency any faster than Biden is doing right now. You you couldn't diminish the petrodollar and destroy Americans' buying power any better than Biden is doing right now. We're in the midst of a grave military recruiting crisis. We're in the midst of a grave police officer shortage and a recruiting crisis there as well. All of this is by design. I mean, listen, the Biden administration, I mean, he just gave some rambling, bumbling and stumbling speech about the Second Amendment, about how kids are finding, quote, assault weapons, which, by the way, by the way, there's no such thing as an assault weapon. Assault is a distinctly human characteristic. I've got many rifles. They've never assaulted anybody. They sit in my gun cabinet and that's it. They don't disturb anybody. In fact, they're quite peaceful. But the point is, here's Biden out there bumbling and stumbling and talking about, oh, well, you know, kids take guns off of dressers and they commit crimes and that's where mass shooting. No, that's that's insane. That's crazy. And he ends that speech by saying we need to ban assault weapons now. Crazy. All of this is by design. And you, we the people, we are in the crosshairs. I saw this Wall Street Journal analysis of the housing market. I mean, look, the average monthly New home payment when Biden took office was seventeen hundred bucks. Okay, uh, the average monthly new home payment today is thirty three hundred bucks. That's an unbelievable increase. <laughs> Young Americans are being priced out of the market. Interest rates have climbed and soared on homes because of the Biden administra- administration printing money at the Fed and destroying our currency. It, it's and, and as a result, kids are coming out of college or even working a trade job, making 40, 50 grand a year, maybe t- five, 10 years ago, they could buy a house on that salary, but their money doesn't go as far because inflation is outpacing wage growth. So these young kids can't even buy homes. And then you add to that the fact that BlackRock and hedge funds are out there buying up single family homes. 
to just rent them out to people who couldn't afford to buy them anyway. I mean, look, think BlackRock, they're globalists. They're part of this world economic, crazy globalist agenda. The, the whole you'll own nothing and be happy. What do you think they're buying up all these single family homes for? So they can rent them out to people who will never own a home. They'll just rent. No different than Russian serfs, this next generation of, of American children. They'll own nothing. I'd be damn well sure they won't be happy. Well, there's a bill uh, that's been introduced in the Senate called the End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act of 2023. Probably haven't seen that on the media because the media, by and large, is controlled by and advertised on by these big hedge fund, hedge fund companies like BlackRock who buy these homes. But the End Hedge Fund Control of American Homes Act of 2023 would force big investors to sell off all the single-family homes, homes they own over 10 years and eventually ban hedge funds from owning any single family homes entirely. Now, typically, Republicans would say, I don't want the government getting involved in manipulating capital markets like this. It's not government's job. We believe in low taxes. We believe in limited government. But remember, folks, we are not just an economy here in this country. We're not. We, we're a nation. We're a sovereign nation. And if government exists at all, it's to protect that's the foremost responsibility of the commander in chief and the foremost responsibility of our elected officials to protect the interests of the American people. Now, I don't like the government getting involved in manipulating economies. I don't like that. Uh, but this is going to make it easier for young American families to live the American dream again. What good is I mean, what what good is it living in America if the American dream is unattainable for so many? So uh, like, look, you're in the U.S. Senate, Democrat, Republican. You need to pass this bill. I would call your lawmakers. I'd send them emails, do whatever you can. We got a national audience on this show. But this is this is a good bill and it protects the American people. And I'm for anything that protects middle America. So let's get it done. Um, but Democrats obviously are completely out of out of touch. I mean, young Americans, we just talked about not only are they priced out of the housing market, uh, but they can't afford to move out of their parents' home. They can't get a decent job. They can't financially support a family. As we mentioned, inflation has destroyed their buying power. Um, and what is Al Gore talking about? I mean, I know Al Gore is is making a comeback in today's day and age and using the the climate change agenda hoax as a means to do so, but he's out there talking and spewing hot air. I mean, that guy's carbon footprint is probably greater than a million Americans combined, but you know, uh, Al Gore, check him out on CNN. It, it does look like, like, uh, the, the 2024 election will come down to president Biden, uh, versing versus uh, former president Trump. Um, and I'm wondering what you think, uh, the world would look like under, uh, of President Trump uh, being reelected, which is certainly uh, a possibility, not only when it comes to the climate, uh, but also when it comes to democracy. Well, I saw the other day where he pledged to be a dictator on day one, and you kind of wonder uh, what it'll take for people to uh, believe him when he tells us uh, who he is. And, uh, you know, the, the solution to political uh, despair is political action. 
And for those in in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party and independents who love American democracy and who want to preserve our capacity to govern ourselves uh, and solve our problems, now's the time uh, to get active. You know, there's a there's a mental health crisis around the world, Jake, that we hear people talking about. I think that one of the main reasons for that uh, is that young people look uh, at the fact that we are not yet solving the climate crisis or dealing with some of these other challenges. Uh, and we hear this word thrown around, polycrisis. Well, solving the climate crisis is a poly solution. We know what to do. We have the means to do it. And we have to make sure uh, that we make the right political choices in our democracy to enable ourselves to make the right choices. <laughs> Al Gore is filled with so much hot air. To hell with these cow farts. Let's focus on the, the hot air that Al Gore is spewing on a daily basis. First of all, he trots out the conspiracy theory. Well, Trump says he wants to be a dictator on day one. Well, well, hell, we should listen to He didn't say that. He was joking around. And he said specifically as it pertains to the border and American energy independence. Yeah, Al Gore is a complete and utter joke. But as if you didn't think he was a big enough joke, he said that the mental health crisis in this country, and, and we we do have a mental health crisis in this country, uh, and young Americans are struggling in a lot of different ways, but Al Gore would have you believe that that mental health crisis is because of climate change. Yep. That's how little all of these people think of you. They think you're a complete joke. They don't care about your problems. They're not even talking about the things that they don't even talk about things that are real. It's so, okay. Look, we're gonna we're gonna move on to Zelensky on Capitol Hill because you know he's here uh, with his hand out again. Uh, but before I do that, if you're watching on Facebook and Getter, and yes, we are getting pretty sophisticated here on Battleground Live. We're doing what's called simulcasting, okay, uh, on Facebook uh, Live. Uh, which, you know, I don't know, I'll probably be get, last maybe a week on Facebook before they boot me off. Uh, but we're there and we're on Getter as well, which is the sort of like a conservative Twitter. So if you're watching from Getter and you're watching from Twitter, well, welcome or I'm sorry, Getter and watching from Facebook. Welcome. We love to have you. But get over here to Rumble and subscribe to Battleground Live. We want you in the trenches with us here every day, five to six. Check us out. Be there or be square. And yeah, we're simulcasting. I said simulcasting. I'm basically Tony Stark. Okay. We're, I'm getting smart on this program with the help of Brockinator, of course. Um, okay. But Zelensky, he's on Capitol Hill and he's got his hand out because, of course, he does. Um, we, we like, we, we got this video of him uh, walking with, yeah, check this out. There he is. Look at him. Uh, he's going to make his appearance here. And, oh, there he is. Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Zelensky together. Would it really kill Zelensky to, you know, throw on a suit when he's meeting with leaders of of our country? Yep, uh, probably. Uh, but if there was, boy, that's that's the uniparty right there, isn't it, folks? Uh, meeting with Schumer and McConnell. Yep, that's that's great. Um, Zelensky was giving a speech on Capitol Hill, and he was talking about because there's this big debate on Capitol Hill happening right now that that aid to Ukraine and aid to Israel should be separated. And that no aid will go to Ukraine, period, full stop, period, until we secure our border. I mean, what's happening at our southern border is a full-scale invasion, the likes of which and the rep repercussions of which we will be dealing with for a generation to come. And so securing our border is an urgent thing. To me, 
you, if the Democrats gave a damn about Ukraine and Republicans were sophisticated in their messaging at all, they would be saying Republicans don't give a damn about Ukrainians. They don't care about how many people die. They don't even care about their own country. Look, they won't even secure the southern border. Republicans don't do that because they're, we just don't fight like the Democrats. But is there a more perfect embodiment of Republicans here? Yes, we want to secure our border. We want to look after America first. And Democrats want to take care of Ukraine, but don't want to secure our border. You see the difference? I mean, I happen to like putting our country first, but Zelensky was on Capitol Hill with his hand out um, and saying that essentially if you don't support his country, you're giving Putin a, a Christmas gift or you're a pup, puppet of Putin, which I don't appreciate, but watch him in his own words. Let me be frank with you, France, if there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill is just Putin and his sick clique. They see the dreams come through when they see the, the delays or some scandals and they see freedom to fall when the support of freedom fighters go down. Yeah. Okay. So there Zelensky saying any unresolved issues is a gift of Vladimir Putin, which is just uh, kind of sickening to me that he feels that he can come into our country and say those things. He's not getting a whole lot of resistance on the Senate side, except for one person who my buddy J.D. Vance is out there uh, talking about the importance of, of putting this country first about securing our border. Um, he went on uh, War Room with Steve Bannon to discuss this stuff. But it seems like there are precious few people out there, especially in the high chamber, especially in the U.S. Senate, talking about putting this country first. And folks, everything that I just told you about how Americans are suffering, how they're struggling, how how the U.S. economy is in grave danger of collapsing. I mean, it just seems like so many people on Capitol Hill. And I mean, the Democrats and, and Republicans are just completely untethered from the realities that Americans face on a day to day basis. And the people who are out there talking and advocating for we, the people, we should support. And J.D. Vance is, is one of those people. Watch watch him on War Room uh, with Steve Bannon just taking Zelensky to task. He's a he's doing a hell of a job in Ohio, and I'm proud to call him friend. Check this out. Look, Steve, it's gross. Um, you have a foreign leader coming to the United States like we're some sort of geopolitical salvation army. That is not the role of the United States here is to hand out money to every beggar who comes into our country and demands that we fund uh, their foreign conflict. This is step back a second, Steve. We have to understand that Republicans for once in this town have actually stood pretty firm the last couple of weeks on the question of border security and said, you're not going to get another dime for Ukraine unless you do something serious about the American southern border. So Zelensky is parachuting into this domestic political debate about prioritizing our own border. He's not here to tell us anything we haven't heard before. He's here to badger and browbeat Speaker Johnson and Senate Republicans into foregoing our negotiations on border security 
in order to write him another blank check. I've never seen anything like this. This is not Churchill coming in the midst of World War II. This is literally a guy begging for a handout and telling Republicans to stop negotiating over your own border security. Uh, I'm offended by it. As a United States senator, I'm offended by it. We should be focused on our own border and be having that debate. We don't need Zelensky to parachute and tell us how to run our country. Believe it or not, traditional Republicans are out there attacking. Uh, now, these are not, not necessarily elected officials, but traditional Republicans are out there attacking uh, J.D. Vance for saying this. But he's absolutely right. Uh, this is not Winston Churchill. This isn't the height of World War II. This is Zelensky essentially saying, abandon securing your own border and send taxpayer dollars for me to secure mine. I don't. I'm telling you, not a single person, not one single person has been able to explain to me in no uncertain terms how this war, the escalatory properties of which are dire and dangerous for this country, how this, how does this war benefit us? And if we continue to escalate this war, what's the end state look for our country Will American troops find themselves in the midst of this war facing down against a Russian war? Probably. Probably. And never mind the fact that Americans are really struggling at home. And of course, you have Republicans that are out there attacking J.D. Vance for this. And, and not only that, of course, the Democrats are as well. Uh, and Chris Murphy from from the Senate, he's, he's a, just a complete joke. Um, but he's talking about, oh, he was on CNN, just watch this, check this out. It's very different to say, on top of that funding, we are going to make major changes in law. And that's what Republicans are asking for. They are asking for very severe, very draconian immigration policy changes, policy changes that they know could not pass if they weren't holding up support uh, for the war against Vladimir Putin. But isn't that um, so the exact I, I just point? Think that's the difficulty. Isn't that the isn't that their exact point? Is, well, this is a moment. It's a crisis. I think many people agree what's happening at the border is a crisis. So this is a moment we got to deal with it at home. And then we're going to help Ukraine, too. Yeah, I, I think we should separate the two. The very draconian policy, like, you know, I don't know, securing our border and making sure migrants don't come into this country, 30 of which were on the terror watch list that came in just within the last month. I mean, come on. We just we did the show. We started the show. We did a, an entire segment last night about how, how many people, security ex experts, intelligence officials, Republicans, Democrats, believe something bad is going to happen. And yet we have a, a border completely wide open. 30 terrorists. These are people of, of the people that we encountered. How? Who the hell knows how many people, how many migrants invaded this country and are here without our knowledge? It's completely ridiculous that the you have Democrats out there talking about this being a draconian policy. When I say be ready to protect yourself and your family, this is what I'm talking about. These politicians don't care about you. They don't care about you. If they did, the border would be secured yesterday, but they don't. And thankfully, in the House of Representatives, is a little bit of a different picture. We've got Speaker Mike Johnson. 
um, who I oscillate back and forth on. But as I've said many times before on this show, that being I would being the Speaker of the House and on the Republican side would be one of the most thankless jobs in the world within six months. Doesn't matter if you're steadfast conservative, everybody's hating on you. Um, but Mike Johnson has done a pretty good job. And by the way, kudos to him. Uh, for pulling all the FISA stuff out of this budget. I mean, pulled him from the House floor today. And of course, FISA just gives the FBI, you know, unlimited access to spy on Americans without a warrant. Well, Mike Johnson pulled them from the floor after they got re-entered into the bill on the Senate side. We pulled them today from the bill again today. So kudos to him for holding firm on that. But House Republicans are simply saying, look, if we ain't even talking about Ukraine unless we talk about the border. And they're holding the line on that, despite Zelensky out there every single day telling us not to secure our border. Watch Mike Johnson today on Capitol Hill talking about the mission in Ukraine. We need a clear articulation of the strategy to allow Ukraine to win. And thus far, their responses have been insufficient. They have not provided us the clarity and the detail that we have requested over and over since literally 24 hours after I was handed the gavel as Speaker of the House. And so what the Biden administration seems to be asking for is billions of additional dollars with no appropriate oversight, no clear strategy to win, and and none of the answers that I think the American people are owed. You think Biden cares? You think Biden has a plan at all? If he had a plan, we would all know, right? I mean, there's clearly no plan. And again, doesn't matter. Lindsey Graham, Republican, Democrat, they'll just tell you, oh, well, you know, uh, we got Ukrainians doing our bidding and they're killing a bunch of Russies, Russians uh, for us. So that's good for America. Okay. Okay. Uh, and this notion that, oh, well, once Russia's done with Ukraine, which they they can't, they haven't been able to advance um, even in the early phases of this war, when U.S. aid wasn't even on the front lines, Ukraine stopped Russia. I mean, the only reason they're even a, a global power is because they have nuclear weapons, but their conventional military isn't that great. I, I, I just think the, the idea of Russia, because this is what these people will trot out, that they're going to rampage across Europe and blitzkrieg across Europe like Hitler did. I just don't see that happening. Um do you think any of this matters to Joe Biden? No plan. You think he gives a damn what Congress thinks? I mean, I'm telling you, I pulled these videos just before this show. Um, but Biden mis- Biden met with uh, Zelensky in, in the White House today, went around Congress and said this for, on a note card, pre-written note card. Watch this. Congress needs to pass the supplemental funding for Ukraine before they break uh, the holiday recess, before they give Putin the greatest Christmas gift they could possibly give him. And uh, so because we've seen what happens when dictators don't pay the price for the damage and the death and the destruction they cause, and they keep going when no price is paid. Oh, great. Yeah. So uh, what the hell are you talking about? Dictators keep going when no price is paid? Because if I look back over the last 20 years of Iraq, Afghanistan, forever wars that do nothing but benefit you know, the military industrial complex and people who sit on the boards of those companies and lobbyists for those companies. I I seem to remember creating a vacuum in Iraq that gave rise to ISIS. I seem to remember toppling Muammar Gaddafi, who was a dictator who's also friendly to us. And that 
that that country in, in Libya descending into chaos. They literally sell human slaves there. I seem to remember supporting a revolution in Egypt, you know, deposing a dictator who you know supported America and having that country fall to Islamic extremists. We also have dictators. I mean, what's the precedent here? Stop dictators. Well, Kim Jong Un is a dictator. The things that he does to his own people are horrific. What about almost you know many of these countries in Africa where they're they're led by a dictator? Should we go there as well? These ideas, this, these aren't strategies. They don't hold up to just the very basic lines of questions. There are bad people in this world, very bad people in this world. Is it our job to stop them? Is it our job to send our, our military to be the world's police? I don't think so, especially after 20 years of failure in Iraq and Afghanistan. I would say no. But Biden went on and said this. Thank you. Before the press, before the press, hey, whoa, 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 hush up a second, okay? I've got one more thing to say. I've just signed another $200 million drawdown for the Department of Defense for Ukraine, and that'll be coming quickly. Thank you. Thank you. So Biden tells the press to hush up and then tells them that he just signed another $200 million drawdown from the Department of Defense for Ukraine. Uh, just went around Congress completely um, and then had his staff usher the press out of the room before he took any questions while he looked at them with a blank stare seconds away from the grave. That's the country that we're living in, folks. We have a complete vacancy in the Oval Office at one of the most dangerous times in our country's history. I, I mean that. I mean that. That's why I've just been hammering this nail about protecting yourself, protecting your family, and having the means to do it. Um, and so, hey, look, we're at the end of the show. Uh, obviously, thank you all for watching for the full hour. You know, I love you all. You, I think you're the best audience in the business and we're growing every single day and it's awesome to see that. But if again, if you're watching from Facebook, if you're watching from Getter, come on over here to Rumble and watch us from here as well. We want you in the trenches with us. We want you as uh, as we want you on the team. We want you fighting to save this country with us. I'm wearing the yellow shirt, which I'm going to get to Brock for his birthday. I already gave Brock a black movie. See, Battleground, the Gadsden flag, don't tread on me shirt. Uh, all of this Battleground apparel, that's, that's this new apparel company that we launched. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an apparel company for patriotic Americans, uh, people who want to send a message to other people about how much they love this country. Uh, the description of this shirt on my website is that if you think that this symbol is racist, get the hell off of my website. So shit libs need not apply. Um, but we've got co lots of cool stuff there at officialshawnparnell.com, all sorts of battleground apparel with new designs coming out almost on a monthly basis. We've got do not comply shirts, never quit, never surrender, the Gaston flag shirt, uh, which is what I'm wearing now. So go check it out there. Uh, tell your family and friends to subscribe to Battleground Live. Make sure you like and rumble, like and rumble, like and rumble. Hit that little green thumb button just below this video. It helps us a lot. Uh, and as usual, 
Got an amazing show for you planned tomorrow. We're bracketing things up and we're going to take the fight to these to these shit libs. <laughs> like, I kind of replaced that, uh, replaced mouth breather with that word. So it, it, we can still play the drinking game. Maybe just drink every time I say shit lib. Um, but, but we got an amazing show planned for you tomorrow. I'm about to run off to my daughter's Christmas concert now, and I'm super psyched to do it. And she's going to be amazing. So wish her luck. Uh, the entire family's going out there. All seven of us, we're going to be supporting her. Uh, she's, she's an, an she's just going to be great. I know she's going to be great, but I'll see you all tomorrow night at 5 PM sharp. Be there or be square. God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we call home. Take care. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.